and questions, we'll get started that way. Perfect. Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm here with Michelle Marie of Mobile Massage Mastery. Uh, welcome, Michelle. And what do you want to talk about? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super glad that Rebecca from Badass Body Workers introduced us. Yeah. I've seen a lot about you and actually took one of your Thai massage classes online during our first uh, isolation. So uh, it's good to connect with you. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess we can talk about my new venture that I'm doing. I have been a massage therapist for 22 years almost and have been doing mobile massage my entire career. Uh, throughout these last 10 years, I've had several therapists who have come to me to mentor them um, of how do they get started doing mobile massage. Many people don't realize that there's much more that goes into it than just showing up at someone's house to do an hour massage. So um, I decided to create a course to cover all these things, you know, with safety and scheduling and um, finding an accountant and making sure you're following all the rules and regulations for your um, jurisdiction and um, how <laughs> to get clients and keep them. Um, so in the process of that, it turned into a book. So um, the course has been submitted for uh, CEs and I'm just putting the finding, uh, finishing touches on the book. So uh, that's still in process. And over the course of this, it's just been amazing. The therapists that I've talked to, um, I've met a couple of therapists that have been doing this for almost as long as I have who are kind of in a different setting. Some just resort hop and don't even have a location where they actually live. Um, some are on the waters the whole entire time. So there is a wide variety of things to do mobile massage. It's not just going to someone's house. So um, I'm going to kind of share my story and feature some other therapists and have it be informative as well as a little bit of my experience and background. Cool. What do you, um, you find as an educator what do you think uh, most therapists, because you, you're so in touch with the individual therapists and what you're teaching, what are they confused about? Or what, what surprises you as a teacher where you're like, wow, that's what they have a question about? Um, well, asking how much they should charge or if they should charge more than what they charge at a brick and mortar location would be one of the things. Um, there's been, you know, messages sent to me of screenshots where men are asking questions that they might find. I find I can, you know, immediately spot out that this is not going to be the client that you want to go see, but they might be confused about it. So yeah. I kind of tell them if they have to ask someone else if it's okay or not, it's probably not okay. Um, no one knows their experience and what they've been through in their life. Um so if they have to second guess a message, then it's probably not someone they should be seeing. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly perplexed as an educator at the questions uh, students uh, ask. So I post videos constantly and they say, what kind of mat do you use? <laughs> yes, I get, you know, what kind of table should I use? What stool should I use? What shoes do I wear? 
um, you know, is this professional looking picture okay? And then they'll show a picture that has their hair down and makeup and cleavage showing. And do I need a separate um, professional and business web uh, website or, you know, social media, which yeah. yes, absolutely. Because Johnny that's calling you for a massage doesn't need to see you in a bikini on the beach drinking. So um, it, it definitely needs to be separate. And that's kind of why I'm here to help them learn and do things the right way. So they don't encounter a lot of, you know, creeps along the road. Yeah. Yeah. The, the dealing with the personal and professional is something I have an ongoing, uh, discussion with students about and social media continues to grow. So it's an inordinately complex. Oh, yes. So what do you wish the uh, the general public knew about mobile massage, like outside of our industry? We have a, a little more of an idea, but when it comes to the general public, wh what do you get from them? Um, I think for the public, a lot of them still need to be educated. There are obviously many places that people can go to get happy endings. And I'm in South Florida, so I'm constantly getting messages asking about this service they might not use that word specifically they might ask for full service full release full body do i have a special menu um so for the public you know i'm gonna say if if someone is a licensed massage therapist they are not offering these things and they need to realize that a professional who has went to school and has tons of education is going to be coming into their home establishment, wherever they may be, and to try to make the, the therapist feel comfortable as well, because it is uncomfortable for a therapist to go into a setting where they have no idea what they're getting into. Um, I've been in people's homes and they take me into their bathroom to set up a massage table, which is not ideal for me, but that's where they want their massage. Um, so, you know, with the public, I also suggest it's more of the therapist's job to let the client know. But if there's allergies, if they have kids or pets, um, you know, the public can ask how big of a space to, do they need? Um, you know, and I also tell the therapist, you need to find out if there's stairs, where do you park? Um, any other information that's helpful so it'll make things easier for you, um, you know, always you know, show up a few minutes early, but don't be extra early because sometimes you'll get to the client's house and they're eating dinner or just starting dinner or finishing a workout, you know, when the the public should also respect the therapist's time. Like when their appointment time starts, that's when they're supposed to be on the table and they the therapist shouldn't have to sit around and wait for them to put the kids to bed or finish cooking dinner or working out or whatever else they're doing when they have a scheduled appointment. I think I'm, I'm, I'm more controversial than just mobile massage because I actually support therapists having home-based practices, which is the only thing I think as controversial. Those two things um, are different for different therapists in different locations in different regulatory environments in different states. So it, it's hard to make a one size fits all for every therapist. Right. Yes. Uh, in Florida, we are not supposed to have um, clients coming into our house. I haven't really looked greatly into that because I don't want anyone coming to my house anyways. But yeah. to my knowledge, uh, if you 
are approved to do it. It has to have a separate entrance. There has to be bathrooms. Um, you know, the health department has to come and inspect it. So I just prefer to go to them, no overhead, don't have to have people in my home. So yeah. mobile is what's worked for me while it is a lot of driving and extra time that people don't plan for, you know, a one hour massage ends up being almost two hours, depending on how far you drive. And that has to be taken into consideration too. And also with the public, you know, when they, they call me for, for a massage and they're 30 minutes away from my house. And I tell them, you know, it's 150, $175. They're like, that's way too much. And I say, I'm sorry, but you know, an hour is turning into two hours and um, I'm bringing a premium service to your location. I do have two um, uh, professionals that I work with where I can rent a room for an hour at their clinics if I want someone to come to, you know, to come to me. And I do offer that as well um, to give them a little bit of a less expensive price, but then they're having to drive there and, and get out in the traffic. So it is really their preferences if they want to pay for the luxury service or not. Yeah, I love therapists having more options and a better idea of what they could potentially do business-wise. I suspect over time that these sort of niche bodywork services are the real future of our industry, and they're not going to be delivered by big box chain. Right. I, um, you know, I've also taken a lot of CEUs, um, CEs, and uh, I've added my, I also own Cupping Canada and Cupping USA. So I'm very big um, using cupping and I'm well known in South Florida for cupping. Um, I also did pediatric massage with Tina Allen and I have a lot of families. So often I can go to one house and I'm there for five hours. Um, and that's my day because I have these extra skills that will help me assist the whole entire family instead of just the parents. So yeah. I always tell students to learn as much as you can. I mean, time massage is another great thing for them to learn that they can add in if they are, you know, petite and they don't want to carry a table, they can take a time out and lay it on the floor and not have to worry about the additional weight carrying stuff upstairs and stuff like that. So learn everything you can and make yourself stand out. So the public will want to book you and use you for not just a regular massage for everything else that you have to offer as well. Yeah. The, um, the thing I see with uh, students who study with me online is they, they get their mat, they start building a mat-based practice, and then they're starting to compare and contrast. And they go, wow, I, I can, like, this is so light. It's easy to transport, and I don't have to use, like, oils. And I go, well, yeah. But I don't think to focus on that as something to, like, use it to market my classes. Make sense? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. It's just one of the differences that I accepted, you know, long, long ago that, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, ideal in some ways if you want a mobile practice. Um, the marketing that goes on, um, I suspect, is also maybe similar to cupping. You know, it, it's it's slightly a different enough service that, like, do you just tack it on to the main massage, or is it its own service option? I would have it be its own service option. Um, I, I mean, when I do actually take a whole entire class from you, you know, I would have it be um, a service on its own, but I would also, you know, say that they could add in some Thai massage stretching to their appointment if they wanted to. Um, I feel that when I get a little bit older, I might 
you know, decide to switch and just do Thai massage and not have to carry my table around because I've been carrying this table for 20 years and I have a torn rotator and bad back and it's, it does take a toll. You know, I'm doing six to eight massages a day, almost every day uh, with probably three to four hours of driving. So, and you know, my um, clientele, I have celebrities, professional athletes, bodybuilders. So I'm not dealing with, you know, tiny little people that are easy and want Swedish. It's, it's a lot of work on myself, uh, you know, hard for me. And um, so I do a lot of self-care. I work on myself. I cup myself. I get two hour massages every week. I do acupuncture, hot yoga, go on hikes, kayak. So I try to have a little bit of balance, but just after COVID, you know, we shut down. And then when things started opening in Florida, it was just balls to the wall. I mean, I have to leave town to take a break because I just, I feel bad telling people no. If I have a day off and I'm home, someone will call and say, hey, there's four of us. Can you come massage us? Well, I'm not going to turn down the money. I'm going to go work. So um, I was finding myself driving to the West Coast of Florida to take three days off. And now I'm in Winnipeg for two months. So, um, you know, I'm lucky that I have been very profitable in my business and able to take two months off. So, you know, now coming here, I'm like, what am I going to do for two months? So I finally started compiling all my notes from, you know, mentoring the therapist and decided to get the course done and then adding more notes. I'm like, holy crap, this is going to be a book. So I've I've still keeping myself busy while I'm supposed to be on vacation, but um I guess your, that's your how practice it goes in you... some ways sounds similar to mine. I just took down my online scheduler for clients because I'm dealing with so much stuff related to education at this point that I'm like, I can't, I'm juggling and I, I'm getting good at three balls, four balls, five balls, six, but I'm like, nah, I like, I have to figure out how to manage this and just have an open schedule where clients could just schedule whenever they wanted was like, no, I got to minimize clients and start focusing more on education. Yeah. um, The scheduling is a big thing too, that I discuss because me, I'm old school. So I still use uh, no, you know, the calendar in my phone and a calendar book. I don't use a scheduling system. However, I did just chat with someone and I might decide to um, start using his system because he is able to um, track where they are. Um, scheduling. So it can be the appointments can be offered to them for a day that I'm already in that area. Uh, The reason that I've never done a a scheduling system is because I service, you know, 60 miles north and south and then 20 miles going out west. And, you know, I'll constantly have someone say, hey, can you come to Miami? Sure, I'm in Miami. And then someone will say, hey, can you come to me this day in West Palm? And it's over an hour apart. So, for me to be in Miami and then turn around and drive to West Palm. And then the next person is back in Miami. I just, I like to be in control of it and make things convenient for me. Um, So that's kind of why I've just stuck to my old school ways and I'm not a big fan of change. So uh, we'll see. No one is. (laughs) (laughs) No one is. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know what, uh, what I will do. You know, my clients, I have a lot of clients I see every week, uh, same day, same time. A lot of them are flexible to where if I do have someone that says, Hey, my sister wants a massage. Can you stay later? Then I can message my next person and say, Hey, can I come an hour later? And, you know, so it's, it's easy for me to communicate with my clients. I'm, you know, and I'm big on new people screening them. Like, I just don't want someone getting onto my online scheduler and scheduling a, uh, 
massage with me and me not having any communication about their needs and what type of massage and who referred them because you know, unfortunately, you need to really screen someone that you're going, even when they come to you, but more so going into their place that you don't really have any control over. So um, I'm very big on screening and red flags and, you know, you don't need every client. So. Yeah, there's so many pieces. What I hear a lot of is I talk to educators see what they're delivering in the massage community. And nine times out of 10, even though the techniques they're delivering are great for pain relief or mobility or you know a different modality, whatever it is, I always feel like 80% of what we're actually doing is trying to get the students to work on their business. Yes. Not just the techniques. Exactly. And that's, that's a big thing in the group. You know, people are asking, do I need an LLC? Do I need an S corp? What should I do? And I'm like, please stop asking people on Facebook, (laughs) go talk to an accountant because nobody knows your business. You know, um, you know, I just uh, about a year ago contacted a financial advisor because I have money coming in from cupping Canada and from my clients. And it's just like, you know, I need help. What do I do? Like, while I have an S corp, I still just, you know, need things funneled the way I guess they should be. So um, my financial advisor has been great for me. And um, I suggest everyone write down a budget and see what you need to live. You can't just start charging, undercutting people, charging 50 or $60 to try to get all your clients in. Because when you do that and you take away the expenses and your time, sometimes you might be making 15 to $20 for that two hours, you know, hour when it's an hour of driving and an hour of doing the massage, and then you have to minus your expenses. So it's just not like, Hey, let me come over to massage you, you know? So. Yeah. The devil is always in the details and working with students, um, interactively, like kind of mentorship, apprenticeship. Um, it's amazing to me that, I can teach them techniques and they love that. But then we have conversations about social media or, you know, websites. Do I need a WordPress? Do I need a blog? And when we get to that point, it's like they start to go to sleep. Oh yeah. I don't I don't like I don't like the social media stuff. And I'm like, uh, you don't like digital word of mouth that scales globally? That allows you to get clients almost effortlessly in an automated way? It's funny because for our cupping business, you know, we don't spend any money on marketing or advertising. It's all me doing the social media. You know, I'm in a ton of groups. I network with so many people. And that's what I tell students is network with everyone, even other massage therapists, because everybody does not do what you do. So I have a good friend. She does lymphatic and Swedish and Reiki. And when I'm, I don't do, I mean, I can do Swedish, but I, rather not that's not my specialty so if I have someone interested then I refer to her and when people are looking for deep or cupping or sports massage she refers out to me so we've both helped uh she's one of the ones I mentor and we both have helped each other's business grow um you know when I was first dealing with her she uh, was a bartender went to massage school and and so I've been you know helping her for the past year and a half and So when she started to do massages, she was sending me messages that she got from men. And she said, I can't do this. I I don't want to deal with men. I just want to see women only. How do I do this? And 
you know, and I said, you just have to make the switch and you have to put it out there and say that you're not working with men. So she's actually switched and she sees females only. And now she's got a five-star rated practice and she's doing so well. So, you know, for me, I, I don't really say that I have a niche. I'll massage anyone from, you know, my youngest client is three years old and my oldest is 90, you know, while people know what I'm, I specialize in, um, I'll massage anyone because I feel that I can help them. And if I can't, then I will refer out. So um, I tell people to network with personal trainers. They are my number one source of referrals. Um, I have about four that I work with and I've massaged them. I train with them and they refer all their clients to me. Um, Yoga instructors, I work with the yoga studio and they'll do, um, you know, a, a, a client or member appreciation day. And I go in and do massages. They pay me to be there. And then the customers tip me. And then I, the first time I did this, I booked five out of the 10 ladies to have a massage in their home. Um, I leave my cards at the front desk. I used to, you know, now I'm so busy. I don't have to do this stuff anymore. But in the beginning, I was going to health fairs and farmers markets. And even when I was traveling, if I saw someone like limping and had a cast on or whatever, I, I used to work for a company that made topical pain relievers. So I would just approach them and say, hey, I see that you have an injured arm and here's a sample of a topical pain reliever. And here's my card. If you're ever in Florida, you know, I just am very outgoing and, and try to get myself out there in front of people and talk to them because a lot of people think you can just sit behind the screen and do everything and run Google ads and run Facebook. And while that stuff is helpful, uh, it is better to get out there and, and have your face in the public. Yeah. The, the business side of marketing and advertising in our industry is inordinately complex. And it also relies on the emotional and psychological strengths of the therapist. I talked to a lot of students about, you know, social media production, but it's because I play to my strengths and my strength is I can speak extemporaneously for an hour about something I don't know anything about. And I'm not afraid of people's judgment or they say I look fat or got a mole on my face or whatever. I'm like, I just kept making video and clients just kept rolling in and everything just kept growing. So I pushed that button, but it's not the only one. So uh, a colleague of mine, you know, wanted to go set up at a farmer's market, and I openly encouraged that. Um, but it's a very different kind of marketing. I think that the the digital side, in my experience, it, it stacks on top. It's not like I don't do in-person connection, shake hands, rub elbows, networking. But we're also engaging in a digital level networking, just like we are with this podcast. It sort of connects my business with yours. My fans are yours and we're sort of trading off ideas. Oh yeah. And that's what I feel like. There are so many educators and companies that I network with. You know, that's one of the things I'm doing in my book and in my course, I'm um, the companies like that I've used the massage table for many years or the stools or the insurance or um, who I've learned you know, modalities from, I'm partnering with a lot of people to mention them in my course in the book. So, uh, and we'll, some of them will have um, a discount if they go to these companies. So I, you know, I've been attending trade shows for 20 years um, as a sales rep for some of the larger companies. So I, like I said, network with everyone. What are you selling? Tell me about it just because 
you know, throughout my whole entire career, I really haven't paid a lot for oils or tables because of all these people I know and how I network with anybody. I'm constantly having people give me free stuff because they know I'm going to promote their products and bring them more business as you know, instead of me just buying a $400 table, they know that I'm going to send them much more business than that. So um, conferences, I think are a good way, not necessarily to get clients, but to help your business on the back end, how to learn to do social media, how to pick up extra modalities, um, and to make friends and with people that manufacture stuff and know what products are the best and um, what to use. Yeah, there's so many, so many layers. And one of the things I noticed when I got into continuing education was you started to notice the gaps from core curriculum. And this also depends on like what state you're in. Texas has a 500 hour program and the 500 hour program just isn't enough to cover, you know, how do I deal with my taxes and accounting? How do I, how do I deal? Do I have an LLC and S corp? The things you were talking about, they can give them 70 to 80% of what they need to do the body work and massage, but the business side, they would need way more time and hours. And frankly, even myself, when I went to school in 2002, I think, um, almost 20 years ago, it just wasn't something I was inordinately interested in because I didn't really know how I was going to build a business at that point. I was just trying to get the, the core skills. So as a continuing education provider, I'm trying to supplement in the digital realm, uh, supplement their education for business, but there are a lot of disparate views. And then you're dealing with one of my favorite topics, regulation, especially state to state, because each state has different rules. So I wanted to ask you about this. I just saw your post about that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it frustrating to you that you get a contact from somebody in some state and they say, does your class give me CEs in this state? Oh, yes. So, okay. so we're, we're cupping Canada, cupping USA. So we always get these emails. Can I practice cupping in BC? Can I practice cupping in California? And, and it's like, and, and I tell people, listen, we are in Canada and the US. We teach online. We teach globally. So we don't know all the rules and regulations. So you should contact your association, your governing body, your health department, you know, uh, your insurance to make sure that you're covered because I there it's impossible for us to know all these things. And I even have had people write me back and say, you're the one teaching the course. You should have these answers. Ooh. And, you know, and it's hard for me. I want to write back. You're the massage therapist and you should know know these answers. So, you know, I actually just went to, um, I contacted AMTA to see someone had mentioned that they would have a list of the regulations for mobile massage or for cupping um, for every state. They do not. Um, they referred me to NCBTMB. Yeah. I asked them, they do not. I was told to contact each state individually. And I just do not have the time for that. Yep. So and, and so here, and it, it was weird during COVID. So my business was was I was teaching online already, but when when the the in person piece of my business fell away, I've spent a year massaging a keyboard. Like I came out of COVID with a much more robust business where I'm listen. I'm, I'm using four camera angles and teaching across four time zones for like seventy five percent of the cost. And the students were as we're coming out of COVID are like. I don't understand. Are you not teaching in-person classes? And I'm like, I don't think I can afford to anymore. And they're like, what? That's, that's then because I'm teaching online, the students are like, well, okay, cool. I can just take your class online. And I'm like, hold on. 
does your state accept NCB, TMB approved home study classes? And they're like, well, I'm in Texas. And I'm like, no, Texas specifically does not allow you to study with me online. And they're like, aw. And I go, I, it has nothing to do with me. Like the courses are NCB, TMB approved for home study CEs. I have that set up. I can teach you for 75% less, but I can't do anything about the state's regulations. Now, what happened during COVID was a lot of states, they waived the in-person portion of the requirements. So they were hitting me up, like trying to get CEs. And I'm like, listen, I don't know. I don't know what the law is. I don't know who changed what. And Texas therapists are like, well, is Texas going to you know, repeal that piece? And I go, I don't know. I, that has nothing to do with me or my business. Yep. That's the, I get the same stuff and that's just, it, it's unfortunate because I feel like while I know every state is different, there should be some type of equalness somewhere. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it's not like people are messaging us all the time because, you know, we're based in Canada for the cupping business. I mean, we also have cupping USA, but um, BC, they're not allowed to do cupping. So yeah. we constantly have people messaging us. Well, why can't we, what, what can you do about this? I'm like, we can't do Ooh. anything. You need to talk to whoever regulates you guys. <laughs> and, you know, and a big problem of it is, is, is that I feel it's because there's educators that mix Eastern and Western medicine. And then <clears throat> they have therapists telling people they're releasing toxins and this mark is purple. And it means you're a smoker and I pulled smoke from your lungs and here's a cup kiss. Like that is all out of scope and it shouldn't be being said. So I understand where they're coming from because it's really, it, there's just too much confusion, which, you know, that's why our course is evidence-based, which you're going to talk to Paul and he'll go into all that when you guys discuss it. But um, it's, you know, really the therapist's responsibility to make sure they're doing everything the way that they should. Talk to your department of health, talk to your insurance company, talk to an accountant. If you have the money, get a financial advisor make a budget, make sure you're charging what you should be to cover your bills. You might think, oh, I'm going to go do massage. I'm only being paid $15 an hour at Massage Envy. I'm going to go start massaging people for $40 and I'm going to make all that income. Well, no, you're not. And you probably won't survive. So it's it. You need to do a lot of research to make sure that it's the right thing for you to do. Yeah. There's uh, so many layers and I've I'm, I'm very good at saying this, but it is not the answer that the students want. I get <laughs> yoga teachers, Pilates instructors, cuddle therapists, people contact me from, and it's not just the U.S. Like, I'm getting people who are contacting me from places in Europe and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I teach up via this camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nearly globally, like. I don't know what the rules are in the Democratic Republic of the Congo where hopefully they're studying online via their phone. Like, I, I don't know. Right. And I, with American therapists, us. I always say, listen, I am not legal counsel. If you have deeper right. questions, you should probably contact a lawyer. And they're like, oh, I go, I don't listen. I have a lawyer and, and my lawyer charges like four hundred dollars an hour. So here's what the conversations sound like. I want to do this. And he's like, you can't do that. It's illegal, but you could do this <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. because I'm not having a long winded conversation. My lawyer sat me down. It was like, Robert, listen, you're an entrepreneur. You are looking for the angle. He's like, I know you, you have high ethics and integrity, but you're looking for the angle. My job is to keep you out of prison. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
we have so many different types of people, like you said, that will message us, can we take your course? Can we take your course? I'm like, you know, we require a basic anatomy and physiology course. You can take the course if you have that, but are you allowed to use it in your practice legally and not get in trouble? I have no idea because I don't know what the the rules are in your jurisdiction. So we had one woman who, she was an engineer. She was Indian. She wanted to learn cupping. She just wanted to know about it. So she went and took an anatomy and physiology course just so she could come into the course to learn cupping for her own knowledge. Not that she was going to be using it on anyone. Um, But, you know, that's, we're very clear at letting people know, you know, we've had, you know, personal trainers or people even that are a manual therapist that they couldn't pass the test or whatever it may be. And they decide to call them something different so they can do massage in a sneaky way and not call it massage. So, um, yeah, everyone's always trying to work their way around regulations and rules. And it's just, if you get caught, then you're screwed. So I always tell people to research and do things the proper way. Well, when they, when they start asking me like, well, you're, you're, but you're teaching online. And I'm like, yeah, what you don't understand is like, once I'm fully on the internet, there's not a lot of rules. Like the NCB TMB says I got to do certain stuff and fulfill certain requirements. But after that, like, guys, I could just turn on my camera every day and stream to YouTube globally. Yeah. There's no control over where that information goes or who uses it. And I'm not held liable for it. Yeah. Yeah. So what else uh, do you see in your curriculum that maybe surprises you that students have questions about? Or I guess maybe from the time you started teaching that, you know, you've, you've learned now, students have questions about these specific things. Anything that puzzles you? Um, I mean, the, a lot of the questions puzzle me. Um, I actually had, when we were discussing the shoe conversation, I'm in Florida, I wear flip-flops, I hate shoes. So I'm always in flip-flops. Half the time my, my shoes are off when I go into someone's house because they require shoes off in Canada everyone takes their shoes off when they go into a business especially well obviously not a grocery store or something like that but in the winter season when there's always snow you go Ah. into someone's home you go into a massage clinic you're taking your shoes off so I am kind of in that routine I have people take shoes off in my home Um, someone actually told me I think it was in Washington maybe but I could be wrong that uh, they have to keep their shoes on because they're a medical professional um well, how, what do you do in the situation where you go into someone's house and they don't want you to have shoes on? Yeah. So, you know, bring an extra pair of shoes. That's, you know, and then have it be an inside pair of shoes. And if they allow you to do that, say this, these shoes have never been worn outside. So because I'm a medical professional, I need to have shoes on. So, um, you know, other things it's, it's really, you know, how do I market myself? It's just the the basic things, um, you know, how should they market themselves, um, what should they charge? I mean, that one still, it it surprises me that there's so many people that, you know, don't understand their worth or what they should be charging. Or, you know, it's very easy to look up uh, other th- independent therapists that do mobile massage in your area and see what they're charging. Um, you should at least be charging what they're charging. And then if you have 
more knowledge, years of experience, extra modalities, then charge more. You can charge more if you want to anyways, because now you're providing a luxury service and it, there's so much more that goes into it. It's you're not working for someone who says, do a massage, here's your check. You have to do all this on your own. Um, and a lot of it too is, you know, making sure that you are covered for insurance and, you know, that, you know, cause I still have people say, do they need to have insurance because they don't have, they're not having at a location anymore. So it's, it's just a lot. And, you know, I don't know what, how these people have been trained, what school they went to. Like you said, your program was 500 hours. So was mine. I went to school in Kentucky. We didn't learn anything about business, you know? So I even didn't do massage for the first two years that I was out of massage school because I was just kind of overwhelmed. They let me use a room in the, um, the school because I was the first student to graduate. So I used a room there for free. Um, but I was still teaching, I was teaching preschool at the time. So I wasn't really trying to grow my business. And then I moved to Florida and realized I could make so much more money doing massage. And that's when I kind of switched. So I was just having all these questions. And in the beginning, I was very, I need every client. And I was starting out and I was doing $50 an hour and then quickly went to 60. And then people were telling everybody, and then I'm driving so far for $60. And and I just kept having to raise my rates. So, you know, now I'm, you know, $100 an hour, but that's within 15 minutes of my house. Um, And I have many people, it takes five minutes to get there. So for me, that's, that's a fine rate for me. I'm okay with that. Um, But then if someone calls me and they want me to come down to Miami, I'm charging $300 an hour. Um, And, you know, the pricing is something else you have to be careful with because when you holler $300 an hour to someone, they're like, well, what am I getting for that $300? So I'm very clear is that, you know, you're in Miami, it's an hour drive each way. So it's three hours of my time. So I have to charge $300 because I could stay in my area and massage two more people and not, you know, lose the money that I would have for driving there. And, and some people understand it and some people don't. And then I have other therapists that are closer to the area that I refer out to. So um, don't, you know, a lot of people are afraid of their competition. It's like, they're, they're not really competition. Like everyone offers something different. So get massages from the people that, that are your competition and see how, what they offer and then try to do better than them. The, market comparison i would compare with massage and massage as a commodity is what mcdonald's created with the hamburger you had mcdonald's and mcdonald's cornered the market having places everywhere selling a fairly standardized hamburger fry and a drink Mm -hmm. and then do you go into that market and say i'm going to produce a hamburger fry and a drink less expensively than mcdonald's because that's what massage therapists want to do in comparison to Massage Envy. They, they want to say, okay, well, Massage Envy charges 60, I'll charge 50. Yep. And then I think it's a, a loser's game because instead of carving out a niche market of people who want what you do that's different than this commodity service, you're making yourself go head to head with this commodity service and then arguing about price. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have some clients that do go to Massage Envy because they just like to go and get their massage, but then they'll call me and say, hey, I need a real massage now. (laughs) So then I'll go over and do a two-hour massage at my $200 rate, and um, they you know, they don't even really want to deal with massage envy anymore because they're not getting quality massages, but they have so many 
um, built up because they roll over if they don't use them. So and I said, just go in and get a foot massage then. Surely you can get a decent foot massage. So there's a so. there's a local uh, hamburger joint that I think is expanding. At least they were pre-COVID called Hop Dotties, and Hop Dotties I think uses grass-finished beef and artisanal buns. They bake themselves, and all their sodas are sweetened only with cane sugar. And it's like a hamburger frying a drink probably costs fifteen bucks. And I go, still a hamburger frying a drink. What's the difference? They're like, well, well, you know, it's Hop Dotties, and I'm like, okay. You need to create our artisanal niche services within the massage and bodywork world. Don't try to look like everybody else. That's, that's the failure. You have to offer something different. And then they go, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, the reason I talk about business is you can't really do what I teach without having some business acumen. The sessions are three hours long. They cost $300 and it's completely closed on and mat based. I do not own a massage table. Yeah. Now, when they hit my website where I used to have my online scheduler, there's nothing available for two weeks. And it's like, and it's not everybody, but the people who wanted it were like, dude, this, this is amazing. And that was how I cornered that little market. It was just by offering something different. Oh, I, yeah. I focused on pain relief and mobility because that was my bread and butter. But it was like the failure was if I just tried to compete in a commodity market offering a massage. Then all the consumer wants to know is like, why is my price more expensive than the other place? Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, I've, when I first started, I was about the same as most people in the area, but then I've quickly raised it and I still have clients messaging me saying it's too much. And I'm saying, I'm sorry. I hope you can find someone that's good enough to assist you at the rate that you want, but that my price is what it is. I, you know, I have almost 22 years of experience. If you want to go to someone else that charges $50 and has only been doing it for a year, that's on you. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, if you want to say I have a niche, it would be more, you know, with the athletes. And that's why I've kind of started networking people that are in that industry. And because it's all word of mouth, they all talk to people. One of them goes somewhere and they have a cup mark. And where did you get that from? I mean, cupping has got me so many clients because I have these fancy star cups and I put stars all over people. And then, you know, people who didn't want to circle, they're okay with the star. And then someone's going to say, what is that? And then that's, you know, so that's in turn how a lot of clients will come back to me, but how you're booked out weeks in advance. I am almost sometimes a month out. Like I don't have anything available until probably August 1st now. So when new people call me, it's like, yeah, I charge this much money and you, I can get you in this. And then I've literally had people laugh at me like, LOL. I'm like, what's so funny about my success? Uh, you know, if you want an a, appointment, you need to schedule it just like any other healthcare provider that you would go to, which is a big thing that I also tell students about is there are so many people that will want a massage now. Like you're just sitting around with nothing to do and you can go and assist them. So I kind of tell them to don't take last last minute massages on the day of, have them scheduled for the next day. I mean, in the beginning, I did not follow that advice because I was new and no one ever told me this. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll come to your hotel at 10 o'clock at night. Like, you know, because in the beginning I wasn't really worried about it. I just wanted to get out there and get the clients and be busy and make money and start my own business. And luckily I never had any issues. Um, but I think things have changed a lot in 20 years and there are, you know, many more things that, that students need to be aware of. Um, 
going to someone and last minute they can wait. They don't call their dentist and say, Hey, I want to come in and get my teeth cleaned right now. You know, it's like, no, we can see you in a month or two. So. Yeah. I think getting the public to look at our work as artists, as opposed to service providers can Mm -hmm. be beneficial. Yeah. I just had a, uh, read a comment the other day and a girl changed her. She was having problems with getting these requests and she went by Lotus, not this name, but like Lotus massage or whatever her name was. And she changed it to Lotus therapies. And that has greatly reduced the amount of calls that she has been getting. And I thought that was an excellent idea to remove the word massage from your name and and have it be therapies. And then when they go to your website, they will obviously see that, you know, and a lot of people want to put that they offer um, non-sexual massage, which if someone is Googling a sexual massage, then your website might come up in their search. And we know people don't read, so they're just going to contact you to book the massage. So Um, I think it's, it's very important that you look like a professional, um, while you can have some kind of verbiage saying that you are strictly professional, it's therapeutic only. Um, I wouldn't really put words like sexual on the website too, because people just Google stuff. and The thing that I'm most perplexed about is I'm getting ready to rebrand again. Uh, we had a trademark filed. The trademark was declined after three years. And then the students are still having this debate in our subscribers group. They're like, what do we call it? And then most of what I've heard over the years is I would work on a massage therapist, give them a session that was three hours. And they're like, dude, this, this stuff is amazing, but this is not massage. And I go, great. Then we don't need licenses in all 50 states. Yep. Like the name is only as valuable as its recognition or perceived value. Yeah, I think, you know, my my business name is Michelle's Massage to Go. And I will say that I do get at least three to four messages every day for someone wanting a massage right now. Or I'll get, hey, sweetie, hi, what are you doing? Like, they don't even say anything. And, I, and, and if they're approaching you like that, you should already know this is not the person you want to see. If someone is texting you for a massage, they're going to say, hey, my name is Tony. And I injured my hip playing racquetball and I need to get a massage. When are you available? They don't just say, Hey, sweetie, you know, and then wait for you to say something. So I'm not very friendly. Sometimes when I write back, I'm like, how can I help you? Or no, I wrote, you have the wrong number. Oh, you don't do massage. I said, yes, I do, but I'm not your sweetie. So, you know, I just, unfortunately there are people, maybe even therapists um, that shouldn't be that are doing these things for these people so they don't necessarily understand that they shouldn't be asking for it because they're getting it elsewhere um but they should understand that there are professionals and you know it's insulting to be asked that so i would wish the public would educate themselves a little bit more on you know a professional massage versus someone who has not went to school and just doing body rubs I'm big on on personal responsibility and taking some flack because I essentially go, massage therapist, go teach people what you do. And they go, wow, they all think we, you know, engage in prostitution. And I'm like, okay, so teach them otherwise. They're like, oh, but that's a lot of work. And I go, yeah, 
Welcome to America and the American dream and having a business. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, never ending. Well, I mean, for you and I, we've almost been working around the same time. Sounds like you've been, been in the industry a little bit longer. You know, we ride or, or we're standing on the shoulders of the people who came before us. But my uh, contribution to the people below me, the people who came before me, is to help push the industry forward, you know, in new ways, which I think a large part of what I did was just online. And that was a revolutionary thing for my business and for, I think, the concept of what massage and body work was. Um, but I don't think it's done yet. Um, right. like I tell people, you know, like I got another 40 years if I'm, if I'm solid, like 80, I'm at 44 right now, I'd be 84. I'd be happy to retire at 84 if I, if I need to. And the thing is like 40 years, what does 40 years of video production look like? Yeah. Oh, I know. It's, it's so funny because when COVID started and we, you know, we had four courses planned and we all in four different states within the same month. And we had to, we were going to have to cancel them all. So I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, I don't want to refund all this money. So I said, we have to go online because we've been talking about it for a while, but so many people, you, they want to be in person. They get more credits or whatever it may be if you're in person. So, you know, we went to probably four Best Buys, no video, no webcams, Finally, one of them was like, oh, there's one here, but it's 50 miles away. I said, call them. I'm paying for it. And we're driving to pick it up. So we had to quickly just switch our business. And we tore up my gym room and turned it into a studio. And, you know, the videos that we first did were with our phones because we didn't have all the equipment. And then, like, I'm looking at some of them a couple of months ago. I'm like, we have to redo these. Like, this is not good. So, you know, we've spent thousands of dollars now on a camera because we've been doing courses for over a year now online and having no experience expenses as you know to use a meeting space or to fly there or to pay yep. you know food and all that so um luckily for us you know we had all this extra income to upgrade all the equipment i mean i have lights here and lights there and a fancy mic and you know and now our camera so it's um definitely evolved with just in a year of of doing the video production stuff and it's just it's going to get better i think um we're actually going to start doing our, our cupping course fully online because uh, we do everything live right now. So that way, because there are still some associations or states or provinces that are allowing more or hands-on credits because uh, we run it live the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the biggest like conflict I see is my, my home state. It's like, I'm going to have to take in-person classes and raise the fee for the in-person class. And then I can lower the fee for the online stuff, but they can't get CE credit in Texas. Yeah. Well, I see you do a lot of destination stuff, and that's what we've been talking about too, is just pick a destination, charge more money, include some a yoga class or lunch, or just make it more exciting that, that there's, you know, more extracurricular stuff to do besides just the course itself, um, you know, to be able to have a student want to go to be able to learn and then do other fun things as opposed to just sitting online and, you know, learning online and not getting all the credits they deserve when they could be in person and, and get what they should be getting. And I, I really feel like, you know, there's a lot of people that say, Oh, you can't learn the same way online. I, I don't believe that. Like, 
you know, we have people, they can have a partner, they set the tables up, we watch them, we view them. Um, so it is very much so like being in a room and we've had so many tell us that they prefer it better because they get more one-on-one with the instructor. You know, if instructors walking around a room with 40 students and someone in the front asks a question, the person in the back is not hearing the conversation. We're online. You're hearing everything and you're, you can text in the chat. So I feel like it's more personal, um, doing a class online. So the the critique I had as I explored it, I was having some of that same, you know, um, realizations that you were having was some, uh, local facilities or schools would take like 50%. So instead of teaching 12 students, you you got to teach 24 to make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. And then they want hands-on, so you wind up getting less hands-on time or less attention from the instructor, which didn't really work for me, but it was like you you feel kind of caught. And then I'm like, if I'm online and I'm flipping camera angles live, I'm answering text messages and phone calls live, I'm responding and going, hey, Cheryl in Iowa, listen, when when I do this, I want you to watch this real quick. And I flip camera angles and she texts me and she's like, that was amazing. Like, they can't believe that it's responsive. And I'm like, this 24 hour or 24 people in a class and they're like, but I like hands on. And it's like, it is hands on. We call it a CE party and you're getting together with your colleagues and working interactively. And they're like, what? And I'm like, listen, one person pays a hundred bucks. You can have 20 therapists in your studio all working on each other. I don't care. And they're like, well, do they get CE credit? And I'm like, if they pay, because I have to do paperwork and logistics. And it's sort of flipping, you know, models because I think, this is my opinion. If you look at my online classes, I've been teaching for a long time, well over 10 years. I think my online classes are better than the in-person classes for a multitude of reasons. The only thing that it dampens it a little bit is I can't be there hands-on in person to let you feel pressure from me. That's the only downside. Everything else, it's repeatable, less expensive, you know, more cooperative. Um, And also I'm working with the students interactively in an ongoing way. Oh, like yeah. having sort of, you know, online apprenticeships and mentorships. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. We, you know, used to do probably 30 courses in person and go to conferences every year. And we might do 10 in person this year, um, maybe 10. And they're more going to be destination places just because. And even with, you know, the mobile massage mastery um, course that I'm doing, I'm going to start that and being having it be online because I don't, it's not hands-on. It's more of a business um, class, how to get involved in doing massage, uh, mobile massage and making sure that you do everything the right way. So I don't have to be there to put my hands on you or, or anything like that. So um, will I ever teach this course in person, maybe, but you know, it might be something where we have our cupping course and, or do the mobile massage course on a Friday night and then have the other cupping course all weekend or or something to that fact. But it just doesn't make sense for me to go teach a four hour course for a day and have all those expenses. And then I could have done the same thing online, you know, so. And, and that's the weird thing about in person, because 
I'm going to have to raise fees to be able to give them the detailed in-person attention they want. Yeah. And because I can't, I can't multi, uh, uh, I can't multiply me. Like there's right. only one. <laughs> I can yeah. only be in one space at one time. Yes. Yeah. So when you look at um, online education, this is really interesting to me. Um, what do you think between like hands-on in-person and online? Like what is the percentages of your business you think in, in years to come? Is it going to weight more heavily towards online than a like, very limited number of in-person engagements? You know, I really don't know what to think about that. You know, with me, I'm like, so we have other courses that we're in the process of creating for the cupping business and then this mobile massage business. And then eventually we're going to have a whole CE business because I feel like online is the future. Um, but there are still going to be those people and, and the, you know, that you have to have a course, the hands-on courses. So you know, I feel like that's going to be required. Um, but I do feel like that online is, is going to be where it is. Um, you know, with us, I mean, we've had people in Fiji and Amsterdam and Hawaii and Netherlands. There's just people from all over the world that have taken our course. And, you know, we have had people from the Netherlands that actually flew to Toronto to take our course. So we do get people, you know, internationally that come, but I feel like you, you reach a wider audience and, um, uh, you know, with COVID, I think a lot of people are still scared and they don't want to leave their house and they don't want to go into a classroom with a whole bunch of people. And, you know, I've been dealing with some venues and um, talking with what their requirements are going to be when they do start offering. And there are some that say, you're not allowed to wear a mask. We don't believe in that. We have air filters. And, you know, to me that, that can create a problem because what if there is someone that wants to wear a mask? What if the instructor wants to wear a mask because they're comfortable in that setting? So I don't feel like there should be like rules regarding around. I mean, if, if it's required to wear a mask, then yes, that's what you require. And if someone doesn't want to take the class because of it, that's their point. But to tell someone they can't wear a mask or the instructor shouldn't wear a mask or the instructor can't require people, you know, that I don't think that that's, um, that should happen. So um, I think it's going to depend on, you'll find probably a lot of people saying how many people are going to be in the class. Um, how big is the room? I feel like there's going to be more questions about the group size, uh, you know, because of us, when we teach in person, we get 40 to 60 people in a room, but you know, sometimes we're in a huge ballroom. So um, for us, like that's what we're used to. And when we did our first in-person course last year, it was in July, we could only have 10 people, you know, luckily we found a place to where the expenses were low. We don't ever do 50% share by the way, just because we know <laughs> how many people that we get in there. So well, we that's, want a flat that's fee. an extreme example, but it, it oh, has yeah, yeah, yeah. happened. Well, no, I know time. there are venues that, that request that, or they want a certain percentage. And I'm like, nope, we're playing you a flat fee because I know the people that we can get in. And I, you know, we work too hard to, um, to get the people in there. And I don't feel that they need to have 50%. Um, so um, I, I feel like some people are just not going to want to be in person anymore. We're going to um, the AMTA conference at the end of August and it's in Florida, you know, and Florida has been wide open for probably about a year now. So um, 
I don't know how it's going to be. You know, when I first talked to them, there were 14 booths. So last we booked ours was probably three or so weeks ago and there were 40 vendors. And I don't know what the turnout's going to be like, because I don't know if people are comfortable. Um, I mean, obviously you see pictures of Florida and concerts and everything that's happening and people are out there, but I don't know how the therapists are um, comfortable. I think that 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 our, I I don't think we know numbers yet, but I think that our industry, my suspicion is, was hurt very badly by COVID. Um, A lot of therapists have left the industry, moved on, got other jobs, you know, made a career change. Um, I feel like the ones that stay are gonna be able to like rebuild even faster because so many people are looking for massage, but I do think it's had a significant impact on us. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that same, like I have a lot of clients who still have not started getting massages again. And these are people I was seeing every day, whether they're high risk or have a parent or grandparent that's high risk. Um, But then I have had so many people come to me referrals um, that used to go somewhere and they don't want to go anywhere anymore, or they were seeing another therapist and they don't approve of how they were disinfecting or whatever it would be. So I have had an increase of, of inquiries from people that don't want to go anywhere anymore. They'd rather have someone come to them. So I kind of think that CEs might be along that same road. Yeah, there are significant advantages. It's going to take time. I mean, I'll always be committed to working in person and teaching in person to some degree, but how that manifests has changed more rapidly in the last year than it has the entire time I've uh, been teaching for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're uh, going to go ahead and wind it up. Is there anything that you think uh, people should know about mobile massage? Um, if you want to check it out, uh, my website is up here. My social media pages are down here. I do have a Facebook group, Mobile Massage Mastery. There is almost 1,500 people in the group, and it's only been going for about three weeks now. Um, there is tons of great content, lots of good communication, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, I, I didn't put any rules. I do make sure everyone is a therapist, but I, it drives me crazy when I go to join a group and there's a list of rules and you got to answer all these questions. I do screen to make sure everyone is a therapist. Um, but, you know, no drama, no this. Like, I haven't had to say any of this. And there's almost 1,500 people in there and everyone has been super professional. There has been no issues. I haven't had to delete posts or move anyone. So it is a really great community for anyone wanting to uh, start out as a mobile massage therapist or to transition into one from working for an employee or your own brick and mortar location. If you're trying to get out of that to save, you know, some overhead, um, check it out. Cool. So again, they can uh, contact you at your website, mobilemassagemastery.com. And then is it primarily on Facebook and Instagram you want them to follow you? Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Listen, guys, thank you so much for the uh, podcast. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, Michelle. Um, I really, really appreciate uh, you coming on to the podcast. And if I can do anything for you in the future, feel free to uh, reach out to me. Um, if you'll wait here just a second, right after I end the uh, the live feed, I can chat with you before you leave. Perfect. But uh, thank you guys me. for tuning in, and I'll see you again very, very soon. <laughs>